0: The Compliance Life details the journey to and in the role of a Chief Compliance Officer. How does one come to sit in the CCO chair? What are some of the skills a CCO needs to successfully navigate the compliance waters in any company? What are some of the top challenges CCOs have faced and how did they meet them? These questions and many others will be explored in this new podcast series. The Compliance Life is hosted by Tom Fox, and each month, he'll present the story of one CCO through four episodes. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network.
1: This month on The Compliance Life, my guest is Lewis Sapperman, Vice President, Chief Ethics and Compliance Officer, and Chief Compliance Counsel for Panasonic Corporation of North America, the principal North American subsidiary of Panasonic Corporation. He oversees the company's regulatory and compliance function, maintaining a culture of ethics, and ensuring all employees are upholding Panasonic's long-standing values in their work. Sapperman previously served as Associate General Counsel and Chief Compliance Officer for the Dun & Bradstreet Corporation. During his tenure as CCO, the company was recognized as one of the world's most ethical companies by Ethisphere. Prior to moving in-house, he worked in private practice with several law firms, including Wilmer, Cutler, Pickering, Hale, and Dorr and Buchanan Ingersoll. Throughout his career, Sapperman has been recognized for his work. In both 2015 and 2016, Ethisphere Institute named him to their list of attorneys who matter in compliance and ethics. And in 2010, he was named International Employment Lawyer of the Year by the Associates, Association of Corporate Counsel. The topics we explore this month include... In episode one, the personal and professional journey of a CCO. In episode two, qualities of the successful CECO. In episode three, how communication can be used as a driver of culture. And in episode four, Sapperman looks at his crystal ball, where the profession is going into the 2020s and beyond. It's a great series, and I know you will enjoy it. The Compliance Life is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, back again with Lewis Saperman for another episode of The Compliance Life. Uh, over the years, Lewis and I have had many conversations. We've been on panels together. Um, we have uh, talked a lot about the topic of communication. It's one that Lewis thinks about a lot, and he's got, obviously, a lot of different ways to utilize communication. So, Lewis, I really am looking forward to exploring this as a standalone uh, podcast topic for today. And to start with, just the basic question is, why do you see communication as a driver, a significant driver, and an important driver of culture?
0: Well, if you think about what we are tasked with doing in compliance. Uh, part of it is building a program. The flip side of building a program is building a culture that will make that program run well. And so, how do you build a culture? I have always seen as uh, the two pillars of building a great culture leadership and communications. I don't think you can build a culture effectively without both of them. So that means you need to one work with leaders to ensure that they are leading well, but two, you need to think about communication throughout your organization, how it's done, what the contents are, what type of behaviors you're trying to actually encourage and drive through that communication. As one of the real pillars of your success when it comes to building culture. Uh, There's no two ways about it. It's communications for me. I see as, uh, as one of the most important jobs uh, of a, uh, of a compliance function, understanding full well that your organization may have a communications department uh, that it's all their job to communicate internally and externally. Your job then is to make sure you partner really closely with them and ensure that you're driving communications in the way that makes sense uh, to uh, to drive the right culture of ethics and compliance. It's it's imperative from my perspective.
1: Lewis, how does the concept of 360 degrees of communication uh, relate into the way that you believe a culture, excuse me, a compliance function should uh, move forward?
0: 360 degrees. So, I've seen a lot of compliance communication discussions and I've seen a lot of uh, thoughts around communications that really focus on how to create uh, interesting and uh, eye-catching communications for your employees. Uh, Great posters and great vignettes that will... uh, ensure people are watching and are interested. That's great. And doing that well, I think is very important. But if you aren't thinking about communications from all angles, you're probably missing a lot. What I mean by that is, communications comes in many forms. You can send out emails. You can do team meetings. You can do Uh, Town hall meetings. All of these are forms of communications. You can do social media, all forms of communication. But are you thinking about the other types of communications that exist out there? Communications not just with your employees, but communications between the company and third parties, between the company and customers. Are you thinking about nonverbal communications? Things like Role modeling behaviors. They're actually oftentimes the most important forms of communication. So, when I think about 360 degrees, if you are actually trying to change behavior and get a message of the importance of doing the right thing across to your employees, you actually have to think of all forms of communication. That's what I mean by 360 degrees. It's not just the great posters and the great vignettes and the great emails. It's thinking about how your employees see your leaders and themselves every day within the compliance function.
1: plus, how you do you advocate the use of social media by the corporate compliance function? I would say
0: that social media can be an incredibly powerful tool when used properly. The fact is that uh, it is one a great way of communicating. And uh, especially for those compliance professionals working in tech-savvy companies, a lot of your tech-savvy employees are communicating on apps and social media a lot more than they're communicating through email. Uh, I have said before, and I still believe it's true, the office cooler used to be the place where people congregated to talk about the issues of the day and to chat. That's not where it's at today. It's often on social media or on apps. People are on things like WhatsApp chatting about things that might have been at the water cooler 20 years ago. And if a compliance team isn't attuned to the way your employees are, are communicating today, then you're missing the opportunity to communicate with them in the way that they are most likely to actually listen.
1: I was wondering if you could give us an example of nonverbal communication that you felt really communicated an important message from the compliance perspective.
0: It was about uh, about eight years ago. I was doing a training. I was doing, a, I think it was a three-hour ethics and compliance training for leaders in Latin America. And it was a good training. But interestingly, it wasn't the training that ultimately drove the message home most effectively. Yeah. I went to, uh, uh, to this training and met with all the leaders. But it wasn't the training. It, it was six months afterwards where I found out how I actually reached one of the leaders. It was the leader of our Mexican business. A couple of my team members were in Mexico City, and he took them aside and he said, you know, I never really appreciated about what ethics and and doing the right thing truly meant until I was, was in Argentina with Louis. And he actually told the story he told the story of how he and I went out to a convenience store uh, during a break in the training to get a soda. And I had gotten to the cash register first. And I took out uh, some a couple of U.S. dollars to pay for my, for my soda. And the clerk behind the register said, uh, no, 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 don't, uh, don't pay here. Why don't you go out on the street And change your money there. And I said, why? They said, oh, they'll give you a much better deal for your money. You see, at the time in Argentina, there was an open black market for U.S. currency. And there were people walking down the streets who would just yell, Cambio, Cambio, meaning change in Spanish. They would give you uh, Argentinian pesos in exchange for U.S. dollars. And they would give it to you at a rate... That was almost twice what the legal rate was allowed by the government. The person behind the register could only give me the government rate. And I said, thank you, but that's not necessary. Please uh, just give me, give me change. And so I did not go out and, and change my money on the street. I didn't even think about that, honestly, until uh, Arturo brought this up to my team six months later. And he said, you know, Lewis could have gone and changed his money on the street like everybody else. Nobody would have thought twice about it. Even uh, I would have been, well, everybody does that. That's fine. But Lewis didn't because he knew that whether or not everybody was doing it, it's not legal, it's not right. And that was what actually taught him the importance of doing the right thing and what doing the right thing was all about. That incident solidified for me the importance of role modeling behavior. Listen, we can come up with the best trainings. We can come up with the best communications. But at the end of the day, people are going to follow what they see you do. And if you can't help your leaders throughout your organization role model the right behavior, it doesn't matter what you tell them to say. It doesn't matter how well you communicate. That type of nonverbal communications, that's where you will actually drive great culture. Uh, For me, it was an amazing learning.
1: Let's let me change the focus just a little bit from communication to whose communication, and in your mind, whose communications matter? When
0: I first got the job as Chief Compliance Officer in my first meeting with the Chief Executive Officer of Dunham Bradstreet at the time, I said to her I was Uh, Her name was Sarah Matthew. I said, Sarah, I'm willing to do this job. And I may be the least shy person you will meet in this company. But at the end of the day, the fact that I am willing to talk in front of a group of hundreds or thousands of people doesn't matter. Because no matter what I say, People are not going to do the things I tell them to do, or I suggest to them to do. I will give them ideas, but it is their leader and their leader's leaders that will actually drive their behavior. There have been many studies done of communications within organizations and the reasons why people stay at organizations and the reasons why people leave organizations. Time and time again, the answer to what drives people's behavior and why people stay or go is their leader, the activities of their leader. So at the end, it's not my voice. It's not my team's voice. It's not my team's communications that will drive the behavior of an organization. It's really a person's leader. And so I think the more you can help the leaders in your organization communicate effectively around doing the right thing and around the importance of ethics and compliance, the more successful you will set your organization up to be.
1: So I wanted to end this podcast by asking you about an example you have where training, you felt training was an effective tool of communications. I was wondering if you could tell us about that example.
0: This actually ties right into uh, this, this past discussion we had about whose voice matters. Uh, We had an organization that through data we saw was having leadership challenges. It was clear that despite the fact that the compliance team had done a really good job uh, letting people know that we were there, giving people an outlet, the compliance team was getting deluged with all kinds of issues, questions that should never be coming to a compliance team because they are such basic day-to-day issues. We diagnosed that problem as being a lack of trust in the current leadership. Well, we had a change of leadership in that organization, and we decided that we needed to change things up. We needed to start from the very beginning building great trust. So what we did was rather than going in and doing compliance training ourselves, we actually used the leadership of that organization to do the training. We did a lot of train-the-trainer work, helping them understand Uh, how to train effectively, but also how to make the trainings personal and uh, talk about their own personal journeys so that they could be vulnerable leaders that the people in the organization could see as real people that they could trust and that they could uh, ultimately bring issues to. I can't say that the training itself was the be-all and end-all, But it certainly was an amazing launching point to changing that culture. Within a year, that culture had changed so drastically. The leaders, in many cases, the same leaders in that organization as were there before, were trusted and were receiving many of the concerns that would be coming through the hotline. And if you can get people to trust leaders that they will care enough, and that they will take action upon concerns that are brought to them, that's a healthy organization. So uh, it was uh, it was a great success, and not easy. It took a lot of time, a lot of effort, and a lot of direct hands-on work to help make those leaders successful in 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 doing the training and rolling it out. But the results certainly were were worth every minute of
1: it. Well, Lewis, unfortunately, we are at the end of our time for this episode. But I hope our listeners will join us next week for our final episode where we get to look at one of my favorite topics, that veiled land of the future. And Lewis is crystal ball. So, Lewis, first of all, or I guess I look forward to continuing the conversation.
0: Likewise. Thanks, Tom.
1: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening to this episode of The Compliance Life. I hope you'll join me again next week where I take up another episode with in The Compliance Life. The Compliance Life is a production of The Compliance Podcast Network. If you would like to be featured on The Compliance Life, please uh, give me an email at uh, tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Also, if you like this series, please give us a rating on iTunes. Uh, Any review and rating would definitely help get the word out about the latest addition to the Compliance Podcast Network. Thanks again.
0: This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.